0: Hey, you, over there. Yes, you. Hey, this week's episode is very much a visual feast, so before we get started, I wanted to highly encourage you, if you're listening to this, to head over to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash steampowerchannel, and watch there. I think you'll um, you'll probably get a lot more out of it by looking at it and by seeing it than just listening to it, and I just wanted to throw that out. So with that, let's get on with this show. All right, welcome to Gears of Resistance, episode number 13 for something like the 30th of August, 2015. Um, and yes, I know I have not been keeping to our schedule, and that's not likely to change anytime soon, because life. And it's crazy. But we um got some things coming up, so I did want to share a little bit and actually have... Um, kind of, this is a service, a dry run for a presentation or the training I'm going to try to give, we'll be able to give. Um, and so this is kind of like you're my guinea pigs, and I'm going to see and take notes about how well this works and what I need to emphasize and what I need to remove. And I figure um, doing something like this is a good test run instead of just sitting and giving a presentation to a mirror and myself or something like that. Anyway, um, so it's been a few weeks, and we're still cruising along. I've been playing around with a project I can't talk about too much, but it is uh, built around the new um, launchpad that has the MSP-432 uh, from Texas Instruments. Um, I have played with it in Code Composer Studio and in – I guess I've been pronouncing it wrong – I think it's Energia, but I think there are videos I was watching. It's like Negria or something like that, which I guess is sound Italian-ish. Um, I'm going to probably just stick with Energia because I like the idea of energy and all that. Anyway, um, so the project I'm doing is pretty – it's not necessarily taking full advantage of all the uh, – It's a, I think it's an M4 cor- uh, ARM Cortex processor. Um, which is quite powerful. I think it says, I think it's floating point units capable. Um, so I'm not quite taking the full horsepower of it, but um, I do like the fact that it has a, uh, in Code Composer Studio, there's a little kind of like energy, I think it's called Energy Trace. Um, and you can actually kind of watch in real time as you step through your code, um, how well you're doing with... Uh, you know, are you are you sipping power or are you uh, chugging it down? So that's pretty cool. Um, and it's cheap. I think these are like twelve bucks, which you know, you know, for Texas Instruments, like you compare this a Texas Instruments company to like uh, Arduino. You know, Arduino makes their livelihood off of their Arduino boards, whereas companies like Texas Instruments, they're you know, they're a bigger parts manufacturer. So for them, you know, these boards, I think, are probably kind of like loss leaders where, yeah, we get you into the community, and then hopefully over time you'll buy enough of just the chips themselves to go into your project that the dev board is kind of like kind of like the gateway uh, into their ecosystem. And, it, you know, I think, you know, there there's some goodness in there. You know, a couple of years back, if you had asked me, okay, Arduino versus, I don't know how long Launchpad's been around, but, you know, a TI product... MSP430s. Um, I would say, yeah, stick with the Arduino, especially if you're a maker um, DIY, where you you're not concerned necessarily so much about um, maximizing performance. You, you kind of almost get, you know you just want to get something done and built. Um, but that's not necessarily true anymore. Um, you know, even on price point. I mean, these so these guys are cheap enough, and they're becoming um, easy enough to use. Where you really could um, build final solutions um, just on the boards for, you know, again, not necessarily a professional consumer grade product, but for like a DIY maker kind of grade project, pretty good. Um, With that though, I still, I'm very partial still lately to um, the photon, which I've been playing the Wi-Fi photon. I think there's a 3G version. I don't think they call it the Photon. It's like the Electron or something else. Um, but this is a basically, you know, think of it like an Arduino with built-in Wi-Fi, um, but a very powerful ecosystem behind it. A lot of good APIs to allow for, um you call them, REST APIs, restful, RESTful APIs, to kind of really do really cool whiz-bang, Internet of Things kind of, of work. Um, and almost make it kind of almost like drop dead easy I, like I said i'm a not a web developer or even you know fancy GUI kind of stuff um but the photon has been pretty good and if you're if you're doing the photon but you want something with bluetooth, I haven't played with this as much as I would have liked, but there's a um battery powered kind of similar concept called the Light Blue Bean, I think I mentioned it a while back, and unfortunately I just haven't got around to doing as many projects as I would like, but, you know, the same thing with, like there's a common thread in all these, is that, you know, everyone sells the dev board, but everyone is also now selling, you know, just, you know, that tiny little board up here that has basically, you know, it's the microcontroller with, you know, the wireless connectivity. So the idea is, yeah, you build something, you test it, you develop it here, but then when you're ready to go to production, you can just buy any little chip, and you know, make your project even tinier. Um, especially, you know, in today's discussion with wearable stuff, um, you know, this is a little too big to be worn. Maybe not quite. Maybe, maybe, maybe it is decent enough. That's compared to my uh, the original Pebble. Smartwatch. so you know these things are not actually it's probably just about as thick so you know we, we could do um full development work with one of these things you probably wouldn't you probably want to go a little bit smaller and optimize but um if you're doing one-off projects like you're doing i don't know you're doing something like uh cosplay or well, i don't know what other kind of the halloween costumes these things are pretty cool um, and then last week we talked about the milling of PCB or circuit boards. I guess they're not printed circuit boards. They're milled circuit boards, MCBs. Um, I'm still playing. Haven't had, again, had a lot of chance because I've got other work to be done. Um, I am noticing some interesting, I'll say a patina growing. I don't know if that's just, um, cause I was munching and, and working on this or if this is just my, the oils off my fingers are naturally kind of corroding. I haven't really checked to see if it affects the conductivity. I'm sure it does. Uh, uh, but that's something that gets to pay attention to. Um, I don't know if you can see it, but yeah, there's a little, it's like a browning little black. Um, it's because I've handled it because I've, I've looked at my other circuit, like the, the the blanks that I still have that I haven't used. And they're not showing any sign of, of uh, uh, degrading. or But the ones I touch, I think the oils may be affecting your finger oils. So just keep that in mind. Um, I don't know if anyone knows if there's a – I don't know if you can do a coating or something afterwards to protect it. But anyway, um, all right, so let's grab, jump into what we were going to talk about today, and that is wearables. And let me jump on over to here. All right, so, so this is like the uh, the first draft, rough draft, of a of a little slide deck. And it's meant to be kind of um, very graphical, not a lot of words. In fact, there's probably more words than I would like on some slides. Um, but, like I said, it starts, so. Um, like I mentioned earlier, are going to kind of be my guinea pigs for this. And, um, I'm going to just kind of walk through how I think I would do this, uh, in front of a live studio audience. All right. So, uh, wearables. Um, and again, let me back up. This is, this is going to follow, um, some other presentations where people talk about electronics in general. So the idea is, um, people with no, electronics or engineering background, come in. They learn a little bit about Arduinos, electronics, electricity. And at the end of it, you know, we talk about, like, you know, the the Uno. And we want to start showing them how you can take those same concepts and find boards and materials and components that are more friendly to wearable projects and take your lessons learned and just use different uh, components to make wearable projects. So that's the background. All right. So um, basically, you know, we've learned about these. These The mask doesn't show up. Or does it? Maybe it does. So we've learned, you know, wires, potentiometers, Arduinos. We can replace those components with more wearable-friendly things like... Um, a, um, similar to a, a variable resistor, except it's a little nylon cord and uh, two gator clips on the end. That as you stretch it, the resistance changes. You replace the wires with um, uh, conductive threads, and then there's Arduino's that have a, a form factor that's uh, much more friendly to wearables. And you take all this stuff, and you can make cool things uh, like this that can be worn. Hence the name wearables. Um, so why, why, what, what why is wearables suddenly a thing, even though wearables, you know, you, you know, you've had pedometers you could wear for 30 plus years, um, digital watches, you know, or the old Casio watches. So, I mean, I would consider those wearable electronics, right? It's, it's nothing too fancy, but, um, I think, you know, yes, there's going to be those fancy consumer grade products, you know, the Apple watch, Google glass, um, but I think the real interesting wearables are going to be in that DIY maker kind of world where um, it's not commercial solutions. It's, it's because think about it. Not that I'm a fashion guru by any sense that I wear a lot of t-shirts and shorts and flip flops, you know, fashion clothing is, it's a very personal statement. It's, it's, this is who I am. It's, it's, it's used to express uh, your you know, individuality, um, opinions, and so, you know, consumer grade electronics though is kind of the opposite of that. It, it's, you know, yes, you can you can change out the watch band, um, but there's only so much customization you can do. Um, you know, yeah, you can change the the clock faces, but real, real wearables DIY wearables let you express so much more. And I think that's why it's um, it's an attractive um, skill set to learn. So. It's a blending of art and technology. Um, If you consider, you know, fashion to be artistic, um, wearables allows you to create something that is both useful and beautiful. Um, And again, you know, it's a personal statement, just clothing, fashion in general. Now we can add digital electronics to that and uh, uh, take it up a notch. So for the most part, wearables is quote-unquote electronics. Um, except for a few changes. First of all, the components are built a little differently. Um, in fact, I should probably make that say are built differently. The components, the components, the underlying physics, my keyboard's being a, uh, you know, the underlying physics is still the same. It's just how they're, um, maybe I should say create, because I'm using construct or built. No, we'll go with that. Then the circuit construction, so circuit, let's make that circuit construction. You know, okay, so you're not wiring and soldering up, you're sewing um, your circuits together. That's a little different and there's certainly uh, very um, unique things that you have to consider, both the electrical properties and mechanical properties of different materials that you wouldn't use in traditional electronics. Um, You know, we don't use a lot of fabrics or a lot of um, yeah things that you know are comfortable to wear or should be comfortable to wear so that's going to require uh, skill sets above your, your normal electrical engineer that you would learn in uh, either on your own or in you know college um, the fundamentals of, of good circuit design though and programming are the same especially if you're going to use a microcontroller um, more you're probably doing some software Uh, good design techniques are still good design techniques for software um, and good circuit design is still good circuit design all right so um what are the popular wearable microcontroller platforms today for the most part from the sense in when I go out and not just what I read on the internet but when I see people actually building projects Everything I see is a um, Arduino LilyPad or derivative. So, um, LilyPad uh, is or was the official uh, Arduino wearables. Um, I think in this post-Rift with the Arduino LLC versus uh, the Arduino slash Chinwino crowd, um, Adafruit has their Flora, and I they're, they're the sm- even smaller version, the Gemma. Um, those seem to be coming the more de facto. Um, And then of course there's the Lily tiny, which again is like the Gemma from the uh, Arduino LLC crowd. So anyway, bottom line Arduino. um, And I think it's for, for, for what two reasons. Yes. They had first mover advantage, but um, because a lot of people that are doing wearables are more concerned. And it's just like, you know, a lot of other projects in general, People that are doing wearables electronics are probably more concerned about the fashion and the look than they are the electrical engineering or software engineering. And so Arduino offers you the handle sh- as bang things. Um, yes, they may not be the most optimized code, but you can get the job done. And I think that's what attracts uh, that crowd um, to the LilyPad and Flora ecosystem. All right, so one thing to notice, uh, one of the biggest differences is we don't have header pins, female header pins, male header pins. Uh, what else kind of connectors do you have? That's uh, term- screw terminals. Uh, the big thing with wearables is sew holes, so holes. So, in other words, it's a, basically, it's copper exposed, um, and with a hole drilled through, that allows you to take your conductive thread and sew many um loops around it so you get a good snug fit both electrically and mechanically and that is kind of like the de facto connector for wearables so i think this is a i think this is a gps module here because that looks like a little antenna uh jack um coin cell battery again so hole for connector and an led board and again sew-holes. so hole so so holes are um, kind of like the You know, fundamental connecting connector of the wearable uh, electronics arena. All right, so let's talk about a couple of different components. So, um, again, earlier you would have talked about things like potentiometers, variable resistors, and all that whiz bang Uh, traditional electronic stuff. Now we're kind of finding what are the analog, where the corollaries in the wearable world. Um, So, a variable resistor. The uh, we have conductive stretch cords. So, again, as I pull the cord apart, the resistance decreases. So now you have a variable resistor. So you can kind of think, okay, well, anything I do with a normal potentiometer, um, with um, a uh, stretch cord. So as I stretch, I can tell maybe when someone's opening a bag by, you know, once I decrease the resistance, I can measure that resistance with a, a voltage divider circuit um, once my voltage uh, either drops or, or reaches a certain voltage um, I know that the the cord has been stretched to a point that it's probably open and so you can maybe make an indicator for that um, anything that you did with a variable resistor in the electrical world in the normal well, I'll say the normal electrical engineering world or circuit design world replace that with a conductive stretch cord and you can do uh, something similar just Perhaps the use cases are different. All right, a soft potentiometer. So, um, you know, here it would be a three terminal device like down here A, B, and C. Uh, B being the center wipe, or the wipe, and A and C being a fixed resistance. So, the, as you turn the knob, the, the, the resistance between A and B and B and C uh, varies. The resistance between A and C always remains constant. So, if you get like a 10K potentiometer, The resistance between A and C will always be 10K. The the resistance between A and B and B and C will change as this is turned. Well, you can do something else similar with a soft potentiometer. Basically, you have a piece of conductive cord. Um, So this would be part A. One end is part A, one part is C. No matter what I do, the resistance across it will always be the same, A and C. But then I take this cool little uh, conductive loop. I thread it on to a uh, side of a and as I str- as I move it around the distance between a and B will vary therefore the resistance between a and B will vary and therefore the resistance between B and C will vary so when a and B is kind of close together the resistance should in theory be kind of uh, small and as I move it further away the resistance between a and B should increase so now you have a three-port uh, potentiometer Uh, conductive hookup and loop, what we call Velcro. Velcro is kind of like the Kleenex name. It's the the commercial name, but the generic name is hook and loop. Um, But we'll just call it Velcro because that's what we all know it as. Um, So it's Velcro. Nothing really different there. Except it conducts. So you could sew a little bit of a conductive thread to either side. And when uh, the hook part touches the loop part, you will basically, the equivalent of a um, knife switch connecting, it's a switch, and now you've, you've completed the circuit. It's now conducts. And then when vice versa, when I open the switch, or when I take the hook uh, and remove it from the loop part, um, it breaks the uh, connection. So you can use this for, uh, again, hook and loop can be used as a um, wearables version of a switch. Uh, electric luminescence wire, tape or panels. Um, Basically, it gives you that, um, what's the look? Tron, the Tron look. It is um, basically tape. Again, it's either thin wires um, or these kind of like, imagine like a piece of tape. They even come in little like square or rectangular panels that when you apply electricity to them, they give off a glow and they have a really um, unique look to them. Uh, They are cool. The only issue with them is they require uh, alternating current. Um, Alternating current is the stuff that comes out of your wall outlet. Um, It's not the stuff that gets uh, put out from battery or photovoltaic cells. So there is something called an inverter that will take the DC of batteries. So here's two AA batteries. And what it will do is this little here, there's a little electronic select uh, components that will take the DC and convert it into the AC that's required by the um, electroluminescent wire to uh, operate. So just keep it in mind. It's not something you can power directly off of a micro. You will need um, uh, an, an inverter device to power that up. A uh, pressure-sensitive fabric, which has many different, I think, brand names. One is Velostat. Um, at least that's how I think it's pronounced. Uh, basically, it's a piece of fabric. It almost has a leathery kind of feel to it. Maybe. maybe oh, went back. And as I press down in different parts, the resistance Will decrease. So a lot of things, you can do pressure sensors, you can do buttons, you can do all kinds of things that where you measure, as I press down, I can vary the resistance across it. Sewable snaps. Alright, so obviously um, you know, it's one thing, you know certain components of a look, of wearables are pretty cheap where you use it in a project um, you know, and the thing is when you sew, stuff together, it's kind of of permanent. It's not like a hookup wire or gator wire that you can easily take apart and breadboard. Wearables is kind of a little bit more of a commitment to to sacrificing your components for reuse. Um, And while that that works for certain things like, um, you know, cheap LEDs where you can get them really cheap, uh, things like your microcontroller or a GPS module, you know, you're talking you know, 20, 30 dollars where, you know, you may want to not, you know, sew that or have to constantly re it every time you want to change it between uh, different projects. So this is where sewable snaps come in. The idea is uh, one side you um, go ahead and solder one side of the snaps to your uh, microcontroller board and then you sew the other side to your, to your fabric or whatever. And then you simply snap it on, and then when you're done, you take it off, and you can move it to another project. Um, and it allows for components to be reused across projects as projects really easily. Um, I have also seen people kind of alternate the male, female, male, female, or put like two females and the rest males, or vice versa, so that way um, you won't ever because um, a lot of these a lot of these boards are circular. And they're kind of um, sometimes they the uh, the so holes are very um, was it repeatable? And that's the word I'm looking for. But um, you could potentially um, you know kind of hook this up incorrectly. So what I've seen a lot of people do is is a way to kind of like you know with wires and cables where they're keyed, alternating or chain or having some sort of pattern to the or. Uh, of the nails, you can um, help prevent um, accidentally uh, plugging your your board incorrectly into your wearable project. So just keep that in mind. Um, All right, so that's kind of a deep dive. And then just so that everyone, you know, I'm not going to go through everyone individually, but just know that there are tons of what's called breakout boards where – People have made little circuit boards that take um, electronic components, an accelerometer chip, a button, a light sensor, and they have put them on a board and made it very easy to sew these together in a wearables project. So you don't have to um, you know, design your own circuit board or figure out ways to, um, to hook up these things to your wearables. These sewable boards make it pretty darn easy. Um, so again, you know, if you wanted to hook up, uh, a buzzer and a temperature sensor so that, um, you know, once, you know, say you're, keeping you put this on the top of your hat and once you reached a certain temperature, um, the little buzzer, uh, vibrates in your hat so you know that maybe, you know, you've been outside long enough you need to go inside and take a break from the sun. Um. This just makes your life so much easier. And again, um, if you wanted to, if you're so inclined, you could always put little um, snaps, sellable snaps, and help um, to reuse these components across multiple projects. All right, circuit construction. So, again, there's wires, um, breadboards, all that stuff gets thrown out. And in the world of wearables, you'll have things that you'll have to use like conductive thread, conductive fabrics, conductive ribbon. And they will all – and they think there's different properties. So uh, the resistance per square – per linear foot, um, the amount of current they can handle, all these things vary. So when you're building a project, you're going to – just like you figure out what size resistors and capacitors you need, you kind of got to do your homework because there's not just a universal conductive thread. Um, and you should probably, when you're starting off, maybe buy a couple different varieties, and that way you can experiment and see how different threads, different fabrics um, work in your circuits. Um, so just word of warning, you know, l- there there are differences between manufacturers, and even within manufacturers, there's different, um, you know, properties within their products. Um, one conductive thread is not the same as the other one. The big one with thread especially is the resistance per per linear foot, um, same true, I guess, without conductive ribbon as well. Um, and then the fabrics, well, even with thread too, I guess the threads and the fabrics is that there's different mechanical properties. So some are stiffer, which make them harder to deal with. Some are more pliable and easier to bend. So, you know, whereas Ian, that matters a little bit when you're doing wiring of traditional circuits, when you're trying to sew something together and have a certain look, um, You've got to consider that there is not just electrical property differences. There is, um, I guess, mechanical as well as aesthetic differences. So, again, the best way that is to experiment and, you know, as much as you can afford, try to buy a few different varieties and experiment with them. Sugar, what I call the new duct tape. Um, it's a little expensive um, right now. I'm assuming, I'm assuming it's patented. I could be wrong. Um but it is a self-setting rubber. So in other words, you get these little packages, you rip it open, you take the sugar, it's kind of very pliable. Um you bend it to whatever your need is. So like you've got people here making things to repair their i their uh, MacBook cables, uh a nice soft handle for I guess looks like a hacksaw repairing your boots. And then what happens is with enough time that sugar kind of sets. Um and not necessarily becomes hard, but no longer is um, uh, bendable, pliable to your desires. It kind of it gets fixed and set in whatever shape you've got. So um, very powerful, very cool, very good for, especially for wearables where conceivably you're going to have a lot of the guts inside of, like, say it's a jacket. You want to protect that. But they're going to say you want lights on the outside of your jacket. You've got to protect the penetrations from the inside to the outside. So if you're out and about and it starts raining, um, sugar is a good way to kind of uh, provide an insulation um, between, you know, when you're trying to keep things and um, from being affected by the elements. Uh, let's see here. Uh, so this is a little joke. Yeah, friends don't let friends use wires for wearables. There's a lot of other options. Another one is electric and conductive paint and inks. Um, if you're trying to draw a circuit, um, that's another uh, possibility. It's also good for kind of if you want to do some repairs. Um, so, again, it's another thing that I've played with a little bit, haven't really found use cases for the type of work I do. Um, but it's an option out there, and I wanted to throw it out. So what are some projects? So this is one I'm going to actually try to hopefully um, build uh, in these classes that we're going to do. Basically a little coin cell battery, um, little resistor, LED, conductive thread all the way through, and all you do is some conductive fabric down here. um, Touch your fingers together, and the LED lights up. So what I was thinking was, Instead of having one LED, maybe get some um, high-intensity LEDs, some bright ones, and yeah, it would probably take a little bit more battery or whatever, um, and put them across the knuckles, and then kind of like have an on-demand flashlight. Um, and you, you know, as you touch your fingers the other, it illuminates. When your fingers aren't touching, um, the LEDs are off. Um, but there's also some other things, building a fabric button. So uh, basically. Take some fabric, put some conductive fabric on it, give yourself a little uh, spot to sew it on, then take another piece of fabric, cut a hole in the middle. That way it kind of provides a little insulation. And then when you press down here in the middle, the two ends of the conductive fabric touch and complete a circuit, and you've got a button made of fabric. And that's it in a nutshell. And so I wanted to uh, highlight some people that, that I think are very worthwhile to follow um, who do a lot of this work seriously and professionally and um, are way more qualified to talk about it than I am. But um, so the, the, the two folks, uh, Becky Stern, she works uh, with the folks up at uh, Adafruit has a YouTube channel, uh, dedicated to Wearable Wednesday. It's a great resource for how-tos, product demonstrations, product recommendations. And then also, Kate Harmon wrote a book from um, with the good folks at MAKE. Um, One Wearable Electronics. It's pretty inexpensive. It's worth it. Um, again, has a lot of good tips, tricks, and project ideas. And then lastly, where. Do you purchase wearable components? Um, you have Adafruit and SparkFun are probably my two big guy favorite ones. Um, you can also go to Bakershed. Um, these are all Google these and you will find them. Uh, most of them are, well, actually all of them are uh, online except for, I guess, the last two. Um, fine Silver Products, Less EMF, Bare Conductive Paint. Which I think you can find at Radio Shack if you still have Radio Shack around. Lame Lifesaver, Inventables, uh, Plug and Wear, Joann, and then lots Joann Fabrics and Michaels are your um, at least those are the two uh, craft stores I have local to me. You probably have different ones in your neck of the woods, but for um, certainly ne- not necessarily for the electrical parts of your of your wearables projects, but for the non electrical parts, uh, those are good resources. Um, I will also point out that uh, probably everyone knows I do occasionally blog and do some projects for uh, Mouser Electronics, and they recently have started um, um, selling Adafruit products. So, um, you know, if you're looking to – and they've got – my experience, I think their their pricing when shipping is a little bit better uh, just because they do so much volume. So, um, depending on if they have the parts that you need, um, buying for from Mouser probably will save you a couple bucks on the shipping. And plus, the other thing is, you know, you can buy a lot of other products um, that you necessarily couldn't get from Adafruit or Spartfun, Um because, you know, they just sell literally just pretty much everything under the sun um, and component-wise. So, those are my recommendations. Um, so, let's see. Here. I haven't, so, I haven't really finished this up yet. So, some... I'm gonna also add, like you know, some other takeaways is weatherproofing with wearables is, is important, mm-hmm. uh, and also your stuff to be repairable um, because it is being worn. It's gonna have a probably more uh, shock and tension put on it than perhaps an electronics that sits inside a box. Um, so you've got to just mean you know, wearables needs to be a little bit more robust, a little bit more repairable. Um, and that's it. So, yeah, so that's it in a nutshell. Um, so let's switch back over here. see if this all works. So that's Wearables 101. Um, feel free to send a bunch of comments with things that you think I glossed over too much, too quickly, things I should present more in-depth, Where um, maybe I went too deep. I don't think so. I don't. I hope I didn't. Um, and then just, you know, what are the, like, what are, like, this is what I would expect out of a wearables uh, class. So send me those comments. I'd appreciate it. It um, can only help me get better in teaching, and then we can hopefully help everybody else learn better. Maybe a little less confused. Sometimes I confuse myself, and that's not good for anybody. Uh, so anyway, I guess that is going to wrap it up for this week. Um, we're going to try to here shortly do – we should be doing a Steam Power podcast this week because I missed years Resistance last week. I think I did at least. I don't remember. So we're going to try to do another one of those. If not, uh, we'll catch you back up in a week. We may have to just flip the schedule um, around and just alternate the weeks back and forth. So anyway – Uh, anything else? Let me think. Any other stuff? No, I think that's it. Um, Yeah, so head over to GearsResistance.com. There's links to everything else we do. Um, The Companion Podcast, TeamPowerPodcast.com as well. And there you find links to everything else um, and where you can leave us comments, feedback, and all that good stuff. So with that let me bring this over here. Thank you all very very much for listening and until next time, keep it makey, makerish, do, DIY it, do it yourself. Get out there and make something. I don't know. But if nothing else, stay quirky. Thanks for watching. <laughs>